0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be chatting about the Vancouver and Natal Regional Championships, which took place this past weekend. Azul and I were both in Vancouver, so we'll be talking about our experience there. We'll talk about a player disqualification, a DQ that happened at Vancouver. Give kind of our thoughts and opinions, there's definitely been a lot of conversation about it on twitter it was in regard to the players sleeves being damaged definitely something that plenty of people have been talking about not just for this player for this tournament but several tournaments in the past so we'll give our opinions on kind of what went down what has at least been publicly made available there um we'll of course have guessed that flavor text everyone's favorite segment of the podcast it is my turn to pick this week and we have the Utrecht special event in the Netherlands coming up this weekend. We'll talk about the meta for that event and what we think people should be expecting. Probably a lot of the same stuff. <laughs> my name is <laughs> Chip Ritchie and I'm joined here as always by my friend and co-host Azul GG. What's up Azul, how we doing man?
1: Doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, played at Vancouver, broke my uh, day two streak. Unfortunately, I was on 13 in a row. And then decided to play Lugia, or I should say the squad decided to play Lugia at Vancouver. I was kind of against <laughs> it overall, but I didn't put up too much resistance because uh, I didn't like the alternatives that uh, we were talking about doing. So I was like, all right, Lugia is okay. Can't complain too much with playing the BDIF, right? At the end of the day, I don't think playing the BDIF is ever a bad decision when there really does seem to be like no hard counter in sight yet um we do still have like what three tournaments in this format with it's not happening coming up.
0: bro it's not uh,
1: happening. <laughs> <laughs> then we got a couple more american tournaments so if there's a hard counter out there before rotation hits and him Scarlet garland violet there's still a possibility to find it but yeah i couldn't complain with playing luke overall uh did not go my way uh this time but i loved going to vancouver lots of great places uh for food and just kind of a cool city in general and like the convention center is super sick because i like, kind of on that i always i remember like when i was in it always kind of feels like you're out on a boat, but you're not really quite on a boat because you're kind of like out off on like a pier, I guess, is like a better way to put it. Sure, but yeah, yeah, the convention center area is really, really cool. Um. So love Vancouver. So yeah, I was excited to go back and uh, play there once again. Uh, Chip, was this your first time in Vancouver?
0: Yeah, it was my first time in Vancouver. It was really, yeah, it was awesome. It was really cool. I wish I had gotten to do more stuff there, though, because I didn't get in until like 10 p.m. Friday night, so it was already dark, (laughs) and um, so I didn't even really get to see like how beautiful the city is because I've always heard that it's beautiful. Um, and after that, you know, I'm working all day Saturday and Sunday pretty much, go home first thing Monday morning, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of the catch 22 of this gig that I have where it's like I get to travel to all these really cool places. i don't get to do a lot of cool things at the cool places right unless i like take time and go early or stay late which is just not feasible to do whenever you're traveling every other weekend (laughs) um but it was cool i mean like the sites i did get to see it was really pretty it was raining the whole time we were there which is kind of a bummer um had some tim hortons you know trying to be like a canadian (laughs) do what canadians (laughs) do um but yeah, overall, it was a good tournament. I think we had a really good show. Pablo Meza came on as a caster for us. Puka, uh, Kyle Sukovic was supposed to be a caster. Of course, Puka, one of the OG Pokemon broadcasters, um, you know, back in the early 2010s, he was doing event coverage when nobody else was. He now works at Pokemon, so he doesn't cast as many events, but he does a, a couple every now and then, it feels like. And he was supposed to cast in vancouver he and i were supposed to cast together which i was super pumped about but um he ended up getting sick so he couldn't come pablo meza stepped up stepped in and took his spot and uh kyle sablehouse and i ended up casting together which was also great i love casting with kyle i think we're a good duo i normally do like the analysis slash color commentary um with most of the other people i'm paired with but i actually prefer to do the play-by-play commentary i just don't get to do it very often and kyle's one of the few people i get to do it with uh because he is like a, a pure color analyst caster so um i really enjoyed that i think it took me a couple of rounds to like get back into the feel of doing play-by-play uh but it felt good once we got there i feel like by day two our, our all of our rounds were super solid um But yeah, it was good. Uh, I was a little disappointed to see that you and the squad played Lugia, but I mean, it feels, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, you can't ever go that wrong with playing the BDIF, like you said. Of course, Grant and Caleb both made day two. They both went into day two at 7-1-1 as well. And Caleb lost like two winning ends in a row, right? Which is a bummer, but um, I do have to, I got to say, Azul, I mean, I got to hold you accountable here because on January 11th, 2023, you did tweet, if you play Lugia, you're a bot. (laughs) <laughs> Azul, are you a bot?
1: For that tournament, I was definitely a bot alongside the other 30% of players in the room. <laughs> it was definitely a bot experience. It doesn't really feel like I was playing Pokemon to be honest. It felt very much um even when I played, like it even felt better to play Mew Meluetta, to be honest. Because you have to think. You don't have to think when you play Lugia. You basically just like for the most part, there's always gonna be some thinking. I had a couple tough decisions here and there. Um, a lot of my losses were pretty straightforward, though, just like whiffing turn two V-Star, or I had like a decent amount of just like dead draws, like Boo Pass stuff against the the Mew. A couple of the Mews I played against, it was, you know, like game three, going to game three, they got me with that Judge Path stuff. So it definitely didn't feel, it just did not feel as good as playing something like the Lost Box or Control. Um, or like I even said, like when I was playing Mellow at a Mew, even back at the beginning of uh, post-COVID Pokemon, Uh, You have to do a lot of thinking with that deck. It just like that's, and that's part of the thing that I enjoy. Like, I always like playing decks that make me have to work a little bit harder to come up with decisions. Um, Even that makes me a little bit work a little bit harder as long as the deck contends for being, you know, a top deck or a top deck in at least the meta for the tournament. I'm fine with that, right? Even if I'm thinking a little bit harder than my opponent or than the average deck I could pick from. Like, and definitely, I just didn't have that feeling with Lugia at all. It just felt like you just, it's so boring <laughs> even so when I was s- winning it was so boring
0: <laughs> so is it safe to say the squad's not going to go back down that path <laughs> these next these last two tournaments in the format Charlotte and Fort Wayne
1: I don't think so they all even even like Grant and Caleb like Caleb yeah, Caleb was on had two winnings in a row unfortunately wasn't able to to get there yet because I think it was three winnins overall but would have bubbled at 31. I think Caleb played against Gabe in the last round of day two, so they both uh, Gabe ended up bubbling. Caleb would have bubbled, but if yeah. Caleb had won one of the two before that, then Caleb could have ID to thirty two. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: So yeah, even though Caleb was on like the winning end, they both kind of had the same feeling. It was just like, yeah, this is stupid. Like, why would we ever play this deck ever again? It's just unenjoyable. And like, uh, and like, how little you have to work, you also make your opponent work that little as well. You're you you do not have to you don't make your opponent work at all with Lugia for the most part. Like, um, everyone knows how to play against it and what to do with their deck so yeah
0: had to get it out of your system i guess right
1: (laughs) i didn't want i could have kept it in my system until rotation (laughs) hit but
0: (laughs) not everyone i don't know i mean yeah it is what it
1: is you can't Um, go wrong with it like i said you can't go wrong with it like i was was, like fine like they were really sick of playing lost box i would have been flying with running lost box back or maybe even like a control um but yeah they wanted to and i didn't like any of the other choices so like a kind of our middle ground for this uh for the deck choice was lugia in the end
0: Uh, I did, before we get into the results of the tournament, one other thing I did want to talk about that we did on the stream that was really fun. We did some more caster matches. We had another GLC battle, but also something we did that I thought was really cool and really fun is we did uh, some retro format battles. We did the 2013 World Championships format. Um, And the reason we chose to do that is because the 2013 Regional Championships was in Vancouver at that tournament, at at that same venue, right? It's the same building. So it's kind of cool. It felt like a little bit of a time capsule almost, um i had a absolutely sick comeback against kyle sablehouse thanks to n <laughs> it made me miss in so so much i literally it was a six to one comeback as well it was so sick Did anyone
1: was up when you guys do those matches is someone casting them or is it just like yes. you guys playing
0: no someone was casting them so uh, kyle okay, and i okay. played pablo and skarzy uh casted it
1: okay um, yeah, i wasn't sure those were because even if you two were mic'd up that could be entertaining as well it's just like
0: they do so there is a mic at the table where you can uh-huh. hear
1: players like you can yeah. hear
0: a little bit of players talking whenever they it's turn us it yeah they turn it up for us they turned it up oh, for okay us. so you could hear us like laughing and having a good time it was actually fun honestly like i don't i think like at the time a lot of people did not love the 2013 format laser bank and stuff like that right who but
1: was that who won that world
0: Jason with dark
1: rye Oh, yeah, that was okay that was that was a solid format i
0: think the format is fine and it's pretty fun to go play like not super competitively like just go back and have yeah. fun playing i think like if you take what they did with the xy era and remove the ability to attack on turn one the format actually would be really really good
1: that should um, be pretty good i think if you did that. i don't know it would be that much better I mean, blastoise is
0: i don't know I mean, oh, I don't wait the xy changed. format what you mean that format no at when when x and y base set came out so for 2014 worlds when X and Y Basic came out, is when they changed the rule that you couldn't attack. Turn oh,
1: one. so if they had done it pr- for 2013, is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, like if if you took the 2013 card pool and made it so you couldn't attack turn one, I think it would make
1: it better. I mean, I don't but see blasto- how that well, makes Blastoise
0: it. any better than it Cause is. You're already. not getting it
1: because you're not doing anything turn one, and now your opponent can't attack you if they go first.
0: Yeah, I, I guess, but like the worst attack that you're gonna see is like. um, a thunderous right for the most part which i guess theoretically can yeah. ko uh squirtle. A, a squirtle turn one right and that's actually what I'm happened saying. in my mind kyle's game he <laughs> KO'd a dynamo <laughs> turn one <laughs> i was playing uh eels but had to come back so if anyone if anyone missed it go watch it it was after like round three or something round three or four um but
1: it was fun yeah, it's definitely dope you guys should do uh, more also, you definitely should do a. was say, yeah. yeah i like the i well if i was tuning into streams i would definitely like preference i would rather see that i'm glad you guys are doing the uh old format stuff because if i was tuning into it i definitely rather see the old format stuff than the the glc stuff the glc stuff of course is cool big fan of glc but yeah because i even like messaged you like when i was watching or i was like pablo's tweet or something or your tweet about the match that pablo was playing with the the fish going back to the the deck or whatever in the glc <laughs> match i like yeah, message yeah. you I was like oh you guys should do like old decks Uh, Or format stuff and you're like we did we did at this term i was like oh okay cool (laughs) yeah Yeah, i
0: think Mm -hmm. it's actually cool to have a mix of the things right and we we, did we will do some uh building battle games as well at some point i think we did that at laic that was kind of the first battle we did so i i think we're gonna do more things similar to that and um yeah, it's definitely fun. It's, it's a good time. So it, it, I think that it's good that we have stuff like that, that because we need to kill the time sometimes. So it's like nice to have something like that in the back pocket. That's fun. That lets us like show a little bit more of our personality on the stream. Uh, in addition to like, you know, covering the tournament, obviously, but this has been an 11 minute intro. So <laughs> let's uh, let's move on and move into The Vancouver and Natal regional championships, of course, which took place this past weekend, Vancouver in Canada, Natal, Brazil, Um, and we did make some predictions last week that we should recap and talk about exactly uh, where we were right, where we were wrong. First off, we were both pretty wrong here. (laughs) Oh, I know, we were both right. We were both pretty right. Very right. right, Yeah, we were very right. (laughs) We put the over/under for the number of Lugia in Top Cut at six point five for both events combined maybe we were a little uh, uh maybe that over under wasn't high enough because the total yeah, number <laughs> ended up being 12 six at each tournament azul what the heck happened
1: I mean we've seen six and cut before I mean it's just the best deck um and I don't we don't know about the, the tall numbers for metashare but Vancouver is 30 percent um yeah I mean I feel like more good players are switching over to play It, which, which is also going to impact its results right um yeah, more good players are choosing to play uh, Lugia. I mean, even my group decided to play it for this tournament. Uh, we didn't have an impact on the top eight overall. But, like, I mean, if you have a good player, like, you know, uh, Caleb played against Ian, uh, you know, round before last round or something like that. So if Caleb wins, it's a Lugian cut. If Ian wins, it's a Lugian cut, right? So, like, we have more good players playing Lugia. When the good players hit each other, you know, that many more Lugias are going to keep pushing through the tournament and so on. So, um. Yeah, I mean it's not too big of a surprise. Like I guess I don't. We've seen six in cut before, seen it again here. I think the question is just like, will like Lugia? Could we even see like seven, eight? Have we seen anything past six? Is six the most we've seen so far? I think
0: so. I don't. I don't think we've seen an eight Lugia cut. I can maybe do a quick check while we get into this next point. Yeah, I don't think. So. I think. Yeah. I, don't I think, think so. six has been the six. most. There's always been something floating around in there to <laughs> to give it a hard time.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we ever saw like a seven or an eight, to be honest. Well, eight, eight maybe eight would be a little bit of a surprise, maybe, but like I don't a know seven. If
0: eight has ever 8 happened with the Palkia deck, right? In yeah, that Melbourne regionals. But I mean, not to discredit the Australian players, but it's like whenever it's a hundred person tournament and the 10 best players in the dropped. room play, uh, uh, Palkia, <laughs> yeah, like
1: it's and not... it was two different variants, to be honest, as well. It was, sure, like, that is you true, know, yeah, Natalie Brent, Tonneson, uh hasbani group sorry if i missed any names in there you know they were playing like that turbo palkia thing um and then everyone else was playing palkia italian so I-, I think that that definitely makes a difference for sure also because like the turbo build, yeah they playing like that turbo build because it was definitely something new different and it turns out at the end of the day that it's unfavored against the italian build which is kind of funny that they did so well but just kind of the unrefinedness i think of the italian yeah. list is what really carried carried them a little bit there so it's a yeah. little bit different but yeah that is like the one time i think we've had where we've had like eight cut
0: definitely not something that has happened i mean we've got a handful of more tournaments there's still a chance we'll see (laughs) it's
1: also not a good thing if that ever happens that's (laughs) definitely a sign i think of a bad format right or maybe just an overdeveloped format we've been in this format for a Mm, long time so more and more people i think will eventually kind of gravitate towards lugia so like if this format if Crown unit had an actual impact on the format it would have changed up at that point right we would have had this prolonged uh Prolonged format. All right. We
0: had another prediction for the best finishing Vika volt this weekend. I predicted a second. You predicted a top four. We were both wrong. You were a little closer, though. One got ninth place in Vancouver for a top 16 finish, and one got 17th place in Natal for a top 32 finish. And interestingly enough, as well, um there was only one VicaVolt in day two of both tournaments. And yeah. when we looked at the meta share, um, Vikavolt was not a top Knox. six deck for, for Vancouver. And backstage, I took a quick little peek and it was like 3.4%
1: played. Yeah. So um, I that was a, a weird drop off to me because it was pretty popular in yeah. Knoxville. And then there was we two both the top thought eight, that Earth. it was
0: going to be around like six, 7% again. And yeah. it dropped down a bit more than I think we both thought.
1: Yeah, I don't, because I do not feel like, I felt like the deck was still in a good spot. Um, yeah, Cameron got ninth and Cameron's been doing pretty consistently well with it. So Shamansky pick it up for Knoxville. Do well with it there. Two of them were in top eight of Perth Regionals with Natalie and haspani Uh so I was like, okay, it's still like doing well. Like why would people just all of a sudden drop off why would it drop off the face of the earth? But then it just did, which is just weird to me. I didn't expect that. That's a, a weird I mean, I don't think the deck is like critically broken or anything. Yeah. And even your Lugia matchup is pretty close. Like maybe you're slightly favored. I don't know. I have to test it more, but um yeah, it's, it's a good not it that it's, much is weird. It, it,
0: It's a good deck and it's fun to play as well and yeah it feels like the type of deck that like people gravitate towards i don't know right like
1: it felt like there was i sat next to i played against a vika vault and i sat next to quite a few vika vaults it felt like it was more popular than three percent that's for sure uh like just me in my me being in the room but obviously it wasn't yeah what actually, well, we'll get to that later. Actually, I was gonna say, speaking of that, but we'll get to that later. Um, and then the next one we had the next question we had was what was the best placing lost box variant? Um, and it was a top eight, but there was only one in top eight between both tournaments, and it was the um, the lost dogs build that uh, we kind of first saw do well at Perth regionals winning. Um, list wasn't quite exactly the same, but you know, just kind of the Raikou as the heavy hitting attacker. The Raikou and the Zamazenta are your heavy hitters, and then you have your Sableye Cram um and listen
0: you you were failing to say who got the prediction correct here
1: that's true um <laughs> what was it you predicted lost dogs i predicted lost ray um that's i wasn't right. too far off there was a top 16 lost ray i believe at vancouver but you did get uh you did get it <laughs> correct listen we take uh, our
0: small victories here yeah there was a <laughs> a lost uh ray in top 16 of natal and then there was a oh, that's was um there was a turbo. I think it was turbo. Yeah, listen. Yeah, the tu- no, there's was no Pokestops
1: tur- in that build. It was that's an interesting list. Yeah. Semi-turbo. The,
0: yeah, it's like a semi- yeah, it's a combination. Um, got top 16 in Vancouver. It's like a combination of the um the the paralyzed build, right? With the double Zekrom yeah. and like the turbo deck. So you kind of had both options, but we actually <laughs> this guy got streamed, Jack Pritcher, and he was one it, it was like one switch card twice away from pulling off the turn one like donk in game two like radiant greninja knock out two come phase, and then he oh lost because <laughs> he just <laughs> ran out of steam yeah so it yeah, was like
1: a little bit all in
0: yeah that it, it definitely feels like it right um and then our other prediction we had Mew back in top eight Azul said no i said yes and as I was correct on this one, it bubbled tenth in Vancouver. Gabe Smart got tenth place. Another one was in the top sixteen, and there was none in the talls top sixteen. The best finishing ones were in top thirty-two. Um, yeah, I mean, Mew just really—it feels like—I mean, I don't know. It's solid still, but it's—it's it's definitely fallen from grace a bit. It feels like there would have also been one other Mew potentially floating around in vancouver but it was cal connor who got disqualified so we'll talk a little yeah. bit more about that later but
1: um
0: maybe you know i think we got to put an asterisk next to this one right because what could have been
1: what could have been that's true uh and then yeah we'll talk about that later the last prediction we had was uh the fringe deck to make day two chip picked zara box i picked blissey there was a blissey on the winning in at vancouver unfortunately that one did not play out so well for the Blissey, and there was no Blissey in day two. Um, but we did also find what we thought was the most fringe deck in the day two of both tournaments, and it was a Zation V Star deck in day two of Vancouver. Not a lost box build like that got te- top eight at Perth, but it was like a straight. Uh, it's more like the uh, kind of like the build that got day two actually at Oakum Regional. So there was, yeah. a, there was like a, a day two that. So that's, that was pretty cool to see
0: yeah definitely an interesting one i was aware of this deck going into day two but unfortunately the guy lost both rounds the first two rounds so was pretty much (laughs) immediately eliminated from top eight contention so we did not get a chance to feature it on the stream but he actually finished uh 44th 40th something like that so like Mm -hmm. i mean didn't you know do the best but also didn't like Totally flop the event, right? Like, ended up okay. I think he finished 2, two 1 on day two.
1: Um, but have learned about a looking at the list, I learned about a new card in the uh, the stage the, two Metagross. <laughs> yeah, the
0: Metagross I was just about to talk about has the emergency entry ability. Once during your turn, if you drew this Pokemon from your deck at the beginning of your turn and your bench isn't full before you put it into your hand, you may put it onto your bench. If you do, draw three cards. So it's just a way to get a stage two directly into play. You get to draw some cards. It's attack, meteor mash for a metal and a colorless. It does 100 damage. And then next turn, it does 100 more damage. You can stack it on top of your deck with a kangaroo. It's kind of cute, but I mean... I can't really even think of an an instance that this is super strong. To be yeah. honest,
1: against against Lost Box, I guess it's like okay, right? You do 100 damage to so your KOing Sableye, Oh, you have a Goon, so you can KO Crams with it, and it's got 170 HP as a one prizer, right? Sure. Uh, it's funny though because it's it's ability's name is Emergency Entry, but if you're in like an um, if you're like down in a match and you're in an emergency and you need like some kind of big combat, I don't think Metagross is gonna be like.
0: <laughs> no, it's not about the Metagross. It's about the cards you draw
1: after the Metagross as well. okay. That's, Right. all right yeah, so it's just yeah. there to deliver you three cards and then hope those three <laughs> cards are what you needed to yeah so the metagross that will have HP, the 100 damage plus 100 more on the next attack that's not going to save you no but who knows maybe you get boss's orders off the draw three and that wins you the game that turn
0: there it is there it is just a little extra draw i mean it makes you <laughs> oh no never mind what am i saying i was gonna say it makes you like <laughs> marnie proof but it literally doesn't no it because... does not no. because if they marnie you you just draw it and don't get to use it so yeah uh yeah that's tough um yeah, definitely an interesting one. Uh, a fun card to... Uh, definitely, I would say, the most interesting card to make day two, possibly in the entire format, to be honest. Yeah, so, yeah, actually, you know, there.
1: that probably is. And that's going to do it for our predictions from this last weekend. Now let's move on to the re- results of the first of the two regionals that happened uh, with Natal. Take a look at that. Top eight to start off with. William Azevedo did take it all down with Lugia was six Lugias, of course, in the top eight. And in the top four, um, the first thing, uh, it was all Lugias, but I will also mention all uh, four fairly accomplished notable names as well, which is like something you always like to see in results because that shows that the tournament or the format is still pretty, uh, you know, skill intensive, right? William Azevedo, very familiar name. Diago Casuraga, world champion from 2017. Uh, 2017, and then Yurko and Ian uh, Fukuda as well definitely uh, notable names as well all playing lugia on the top four um yeah a lot of lugia
0: <laughs> yeah congratulations to william this is his third regional championship win he's also won a bunch of special events definitely one of the top players in latin america yep. probably top two or three players in all of brazil um so yeah congratulations to william for sure um like you mentioned as well, whenever we were going through the predictions, there was the Lost Dogs deck in top eight from Felipe Urais. Pretty straightforward, similar list. Double Zamas into double Raikou. Um, So I feel like Maybe the double Zam is probably the more unique thing. It's got the one Sableye, one Zigzag, or yeah, one Zigzag, of course, just the one Sableye though. Yeah. Um, and does have a few other interesting things in this list two cross switcher and two air balloon. Before we started recording, you were looking at this list and you were going, Two air balloon, two air balloon. <laughs> I guess
1: and I don't think two... to mention there's only two quick ball in here as well. There's two capture. Too quick, two quick um, to capture, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on here. I think a lot of, I mean, I think like the cross switchers, maybe that's kind of it. I was going to say, like, I think there was probably some surprise factor or some but the, really the only thing that could be a surprise factor would be the cross switchers i mean i would be surprised if my opponent opponent put a second air balloon in play but i don't think it's actually helping them at all in their game so if anything if i'd be surprised and i'd be like okay it's another dead card in their deck or something like that like i wouldn't be uh yeah. I, I don't think it's second air balloon the second air balloon it feels like the goofiest thing in here to me <laughs> the cross switchers i mean cross has always been solid in lost box especially when we start like the the first build of lost box the sable zard um toward kind of popularized the, the cross switches in there. Those are always yeah. super strong. i got a little bit more tricky when you get to the Mirage Gate builds though, because like there's becomes more important cards to keep when it was just cram, Sableye, and Zard. You were a little bit, a little bit your your lost zones didn't it feel as restrictive. Um, but now. It's a little bit harder to play or something make like this, but the two crosswires is definitely interesting. It's a very powerful combo to play alongside in a lost box deck. I think it's like biggest play that I could think of would be like so you can use cram as aggressively as possible to KO that mana fee so your raikus are actually doing, you know, the 120 120 more consistently.
0: Yeah, I mean of course this list also playing three Raihan, so if you have one in hand, you can pretty easily Raihan for the other one, so it's like not even too hard to get all set up. I was joking that, you know, if you're playing the double cross switcher, you got the Raihan, I mean, we might as well throw a canceling clone in here, right? Just get the clone, <laughs> get the whole playoff, cross switcher up your man. If you canceling clone, boom, I take two prizes anyway. You can't stop it. But no, no canceling clone, sadly.
1: Yeah, that would be a little bit too far. Like I mean, no, it's not. Courses no, it's not. Like, Easy you can drop of the bird keep keeper. So many cards. the bird keeper
0: out of here. Add the canceling <laughs> clone.
1: That is, you know, to be honest, three Raihan, four chorus, and the bird keeper is a lot of supporters. So, you know, to honest, I wouldn't hate that. Well the boss kind of is like not a supporter to like get an attacker going. It's a supporter. That is true. Technically a supporter. So yeah, really interesting lost box list for sure. Uh, and yeah, lost dogs, back to back weekends of being kind of the the top lost box deck. The Raikou Amazenta combo. Uh, right, Ra- like I like I mentioned, I think on the cast last week when we talked about Earth, like Raikou is the best attacker in Telugia out of like all attackers in Lost Box decks. Like just that if you but you have to be able to pull off at least a 120 120 like a 120 120 is super strong against lugia even if they have done sparse in play for the you turn. have to pull off at least uh,
0: 240 damage in play for yeah. it to be worth it right either 120 so then, 120 or
1: 240 on a on a lugia right yeah that would be fine too if they don't have Dunsparce. Yeah, so right. it's like a super strong attacker into lugia um the mana fee is the problem though like dealing with that is super annoying as lost box because you play like one boss sometimes you kind of have to in these kind of builds to um So, yeah, that's the problem, the manfi. But the Crosswitchers, I mean, that can help you get there.
0: Yeah, Crosswitchers is definitely interesting. It makes sense a lot of what you said, though, with, like, why we haven't seen it being good, despite it being good in the early iterations of Lost Blocks. It's just, like, there's too many more important things, because, like... You can't just be willy-nilly throwing away energy cards either when you're playing Mirage Gate, right? Like, you need yep. those, you, you need your gates. Like, there's just too many important things. Um, and then we see outside of the Lost Box in the 6th Lugia, we do have a Gudra. And there's also a Gudra that ended up getting second in Toronto. So this ended up being a, a sticky weekend, it turns out, with the, <laughs> for the Gudra.
1: Yeah, so I guess, like, pretty reasonable conversion rate, probably from Gudra. Like, what, what Gudra was, like, it was a... uh what was the percentage for good was like 4%, 5% at Vancouver in day one. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. But at day two, was like, 5%, I think it was I like, think, right?
0: yeah. Reggie's was up to like 9% in Vancouver. In day we'll one talk about, yeah, yeah, we'll talk, we can talk oh about gosh. it more whenever we, we get to it. Um, but worth noting as well, I think both of the Gujra lists are kind of just the more straightforward Colriss, um, lost zone engine builds, not like the heavy Marnie disruption builds. Uh, neither yeah. of the lists were like kind of doing that this weekend i feel
1: like since stefan has gotten got second at mm-hmm. liverpool right everyone's mm-hmm. pretty much gone over to the double roxanne no Marty, which i think is correct as well like i think the double roxanne is so much better i loved seeing that like innovation has Stefan because like it clicked with what i saw it, it just kind of clicked i was like oh that's so sick that just makes sense um yeah this one only has one roxanne. Early? yeah only the one roxanne yeah but yeah you just like the, the roxanne is just so much better like you just want to call early roxanne late. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just kind of kind of become the the norm. Heavy on the Parasol in the the build from Natal. Double Parasol, you don't see that as super often. going to be a pretty big deal, obviously, against the Lugia matchup. But even when you have, like, the Triple temp- Temple of Sinnoh, the Parasols, the Lugia matchup is still so tough for the Gudra. Uh, and we saw, yeah, neither of the Gudras made it to top eight. This one made it, this one was only made it to top eight. Still, the Lugia Onslaught was a little bit too much to deal with. Um, and, yeah, besides that, throughout the rest of the top uh the day two uh top class. nothing too uh nothing really too much to stand out i don't think from natal
0: yeah a couple Dura in top 16 it was a smaller tournament 263 players i say smaller that's still a pretty decent amount of people um and yeah. i mean uh, yeah compared just the to like top 32 day two as well which we don't really see too terribly often
1: yeah compared to the numbers we've been hitting um but i guess one thing we could we I mean I might as well mention right now because we're talking about it. EUIC is like gonna probably be almost two thousand players. <laughs> the numbers we're hitting are actually like insane. And so that's cool to see because that means they got a lot of venue space. They're kind of a little bit more prepared for this. And that does kind of bode well for like yeah. NAIC as well. I think it's like
0: uh, eight. I think the number right now is eighteen seventy, but that's all three divisions.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but that's it's probably like, gonna be gonna... like
0: 1500 tcg masters when it's all said and done which it is still crazy there's
1: really not there's really not that many juniors or seniors it could be like 1600
0: yeah i mean there's a decent amount of travel awards are awarded but yeah i guess not like i i True. guess people are less likely to go to europe with a family for just a thousand dollar stipend than yeah know, just one <laughs> one master's division player right but
1: yeah definitely but that's cool to see really big gonna be really big and i expect actually i was actually I mean, yeah. Did this when did registration for EUIC open? It was last it was week. The, it, it was last okay. week. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we didn't have. I guess it's uh, talking to like other players about it too. I think EUIC is going to become a very big tournament moving forward because it's actually not that expensive to get to London. And I think a lot of people just didn't know that, and I think especially this season with that many less tournaments, it's a little bit harder to get your invite for some players. But there's a lot of points to be gained at these IC, um, at these IC tournaments. I think we're going to see EUIC become be uh pretty reasonably be like the second biggest tournament of the year every year besides NAIC even maybe even getting close to matching it in tournament size cuz a lot of european players the game's grown a lot over there but i think there's going to be a lot more north american players making their way to UIC because it actually isn't like that expensive to actually travel to to london like when you compare it to even like east coast west coast like traveling from the east coast to a west coast regional or west coast to an east coast regional traveling to london for an IC instead uh is like pretty comparable.
0: Yeah, we didn't get to talk about it yet but EUIC registration did go up this past week and it was released in three waves as well. And all yeah. three waves sold out wave one and two sold out instantly. Wave three sold out within a couple minutes, I think. So
1: it was um, less than that. Cause, uh, was it still I instantly know. for wave yeah, three? I think it was instantly cause Jesper didn't make it. I know Jesper, I think is usually like on point with trying on to get it, registered yeah. for these events. And like that kind of, and that kind of sucks, right? Like seeing some of, even the European players not be able to go to their home. Uh, IC. But I think it, it, like the wave thing, I think is good. Everyone knew the times for registering ahead of time, uh, and this is going to be the biggest EUIC ever by a lot. I think I don't remember how big the last one. Oh was. yeah, no, the last um, one was
0: like six hundred people.
1: Yeah, it's going to be the biggest EUIC by a lot, and hopefully that just continues. And hopefully you know we'll just get more venue space for for next year's, and it'll keep growing. And like I said, good sign for NAIC as well. If they're getting this much space ahead of time for EUIC, hopefully they get like an equal amount of space uh, or more, ideally more know in comparison to what we expect for or naic uh what'll be coming up later in the summer
0: yeah i think it's a combination of a bunch of things too like you said like easier to get or it's hard to get points this year ic's get a lot of points the game is also just generally growing but it's also the first tournament of the new format which is another that's true as well that that definitely plays into things like people are excited for rotation every single year no matter what the first (laughs) tournament is. Uh, it always is pretty sizable just because people are pumped, they're excited to, to try something new, which is understandable. Um, and especially I think it's made even worse and amplified by the fact that this format has gone on for so long. Yeah. And yeah. speaking of this format, we can wrap up this discussion with the results from uh Vancouver. Ian Rob did get his fifth regional championship win with lugia and once again lugia was six out of the top eight spots the other two spots going to kobe kawasaki who got second place with the gudra and to zach lasage who got third place with arceus Duraladon. so it's lugia and then two of like you know that similar type of like tank and heal deck strategy
1: yeah so a lot more lugia arctor squeaking his way into a top eight no real surprise there uh i would say there was another the top 16 a couple of top 16 at uh natal but another one of those decks where it's kind of like Gudra. i think arctor has a better time against lugia but it's still like 50 50. <laughs> like zach like would have to go first game one against all the lugias probably to be like in a reasonable spot to beat them um because if lugia just goes first against arctor you're usually in like a pretty good spot as the Lugia player. So. Yeah. I mean, and not like, it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, once the Arctura was in top eight, it was like, oh, Arctura is winning this tournament. It was just kind of like, eh, well, I guess it's like, you know, see if they go, see if Zach can go first against all the Lugias or not. And then I don't know how it actually played out, but, um, and I did look at all the, the Lugia Natal lists or all the, yeah, the lists, Lugia lists in Natal that made top eight. I just took a look at all of them here, uh, that made top eight as well in Vancouver. And nothing stood out to me at all from Natal, uh, but Stefan DeBacco, uh, Rocking the Professor Burnett, and a big charm. And what I hate about this list is only three Archeops. (laughs) But when you have the Burnett... Yeah, that's the reason, right? (laughs) Maybe that's the trade-off. And then uh, Corey Godfrey, who got sixth, Rocking the Greedent, which we've seen a couple times, (laughs) but I think this might be Greedent's first top eight appearance. Can i think get? it's
0: close it might have gotten top eight at one of the european regionals but it's definitely it's been on multiple winning ends for multiple tournaments so yeah, yeah Greedent is actually i think on limitless can't you like click on the card and see yeah, its that's best you finishes? Can see it. yeah so it is its first top eight it is its first top eight yeah, finally squeaked in shout outs to Corey getting there with the dent you'll <laughs> love to see it uh, we didn't get to, we we saw Cory on stream and I was joking with him going into top eight I was like dude you got to attack with the green you got to give the people what they want we got to see the turn of profit the max gimme gimme and he's like I I just can't attack with it in the mirror man I just can't attack with it in the mirror
1: that's then... interesting actually that Cory felt that way because I spoke to well it's um... like he said
0: in less like Dunsparce or if he comes into play right like
1: that's still yeah. So I spoke to, I talked to. They bubbled out of Orlando with the greeting. It was uh, who was it? Alvarez, uh, Anthony Alvarez, and Anthony thinks that it's really good in the mirror when you go second or first. But even like if they have any one, any one prizer in play, not just the Manafear the dunsparce, If there's the Yvatal there, obviously if have to not prize any powerfuls. Mm-hmm. Um, but Anthony sounded like. If that ever happens, like you set up the green, and that's like the three prize turn that will swing it for even when you go second, you can all of a sudden turn the game around if they open like the Raikou or the Umbitol, yeah, um, which is interesting. Yeah, it's um, more to
0: set up than Statland because it's an evolution, but yeah. It's got more HP, 320. It's a lot harder to deal with, and it takes two additional prizes, not just one. And it also um, – oh, never mind. I was going to say – and it also works when you knock out a non-basic, but it does still have to be a basic. Yeah, only okay. yeah, so, it has to be a basic. Yeah, my bad, my bad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it would be a lot better because then you could do like a one-two punch with exactly, it Exactly, yeah. Um, and there's the Ditto v, the, the really interesting part about this list, but besides – like I've seen the Greedian a couple times. I think Greedian's like all right, obviously very good against Lost Box, but there's a Ditto V in here, which means like – I guess, like, if you're really trying to get that gradient set up against Lost Box, it kind of makes sense. Um, Yeah, it's also kind of like a fourth Lugia
0: as well. Yeah. Actually, in Corey's stream game, there was kind of a... uh, He dead drew in game number two, but he started the Ditto and like drew past going first uh no and we way, were like oh the... dang this hand is terrible but it was like but he could still technically turn to v star yeah. because he had the ditto in play for a turn so it's like kind of cool but i don't know if that makes it worth playing right
1: yeah i'm not sure that makes it i think it makes it worth playing if you're really trying to get the greed and set up Though, right you go ditto plus greed and then mm-hmm. if your opponent kills the ingredient you you make the ditto into the Or if they came with the ditto you still have your ingredient but I like lost box isn't very good at doing that i guess is like what i was my thought process was so i was mm-hmm. like okay but it but in the mirror match you know i saw that I was like oh okay so that must be like the tech for the mirror but then you say you talk to cory and like cory was like ah, i'm not really trying to use the green in the mirror but in the mirror that becomes kind of cool like if you get down like Greedent ditto lugia to pick off one you can get it back um Get it Back and play, like, get it set up for a second. I like had to reread it. I was like, Wait, does it can, can it recover any Pokemon? But no, it does not go to any basic Pokemon, it has to be a basic V Pokemon. Yeah, I feel like um, if this
0: recovered any Pokemon, you would know about it by now, right? Yeah,
1: you'd be playing that and everything.
0: <laughs> There's actually an old ditto that that's what it does, it's in my cube. The uh, from Fire Red and Leaf Green, it just any basic swap it. Oh,
1: there it is. Does it keep the effects? Mm hmm. Oh, is it just kind of like a fifth of that's broken? It's that sounds busted. broken busted bust that just basically becomes a fifth that's like better than ditto prism is it
0: though i mean yeah. it depends it depends because like um ditto prism i mean it depends on like the type of deck you're building right but yeah form variation you may search your deck oh i said it did exclude pokemon ex so it would have only been like an evolving basic
1: wasn't well, that how ex has evolved back then
0: yeah, but um, like there's basic EXs as well, so like you couldn't go get like a Lugia uh, EX with it, but you could go get a Squirtle okay. and their rare candy and a Blastoise, I guess. But you could yeah. also just bench a Squirtle rare are candy you... and a Blastoise back then. Because... Yeah, are you
1: were you even playing four Squirtle back then? I don't think you were playing four Squirtle. No, Warrior. nobody played yeah, this card. Okay. Nobody played this card. But yeah, but that would have been broken <laughs> in like a Zoro box deck. Like you have you, you go like Bridget for like two Zerua, uh, one of those, and then bench a Rockruff or something. Like guess what you did with Ditto Prism. But if you could play like two of these, you definitely would.
0: Mm, sure, sure, sure.
1: Yeah, so that's like. uh, I mean, that's why it's not. That's why it wasn't printed with GXs or what were they? Was it Zork EX or GX? GX. GX. Man, you just like
0: know nothing about this game, do you?
1: Dude, there's so many (laughs) cards to keep up with. Um, I think that does it for Vancouver, right? Shout out to Ian, fifth regional win. Uh, Guja not quite able to do it once again. We saw Stefan getting second. We see Kobe getting second here with the Guja. There's a Guja in top eight from Natal. Yeah, it's gonna be tough for Guja to close out one of these last couple of regionals. I think. I think getting to top eight. Definitely reasonable for the goo to get there. It'll be tougher to ever, like, close one of these out. But, yeah, Lugia absolutely overall dominating uh, these terms. Do you have anything else you want to say about uh, Vancouver?
0: Yeah, I did want to talk about Cameron Chenoy's Vica real quick. Um, he got ninth place, bubbled out, unfortunately. I don't know. What do you call it? Bubble out or he just bubbled because, like, there's um, three people at 31.
1: What is the other term for it? bubbling in? He bubbled in. Yeah, so he didn't. Yeah, none of them. They didn't bubble out. Uh, he just missed. Yeah, who got who make in? top eight who was the person who bubbled in um it was kieran okay well no was it though oh yeah it was kieran wait no because yeah. kieran could have been no, no no it was kieran yeah that makes sense um so yeah it's not like technically like a bubble out like you weren't you were never in contention for the eighth for to get top eight right like one of you three got lucky to make top eight um so i feel like that's where you have to put on yourself like you could have you had to try and do a little bit more work this tournament like that's how i always think about it like if if I made top eight. Oh, no, he like went four
0: one day two. You know, like it's pretty tough go to go four <laughs> one. Yeah, I guess. Go he did get the he got the round one by as well in day two.
1: Yeah, you already got that little bit of a boost. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> you gotta not pick up that L, um, or at least pick up a tie. But yeah, I think I, that's how I always think about it. Like if, if I'm like if there's like three or four people who and one of them can make top eight. When I make top eight, I don't feel like when I don't make top eight, I don't like. It's like I I needed to do more work. I need to be one of the people who wasn't on that. Who had to get to be the lucky person based on resistance, right? So, yeah. in so, those situations never feel too bad, but cool so the,
0: the interesting thing about this list was the inclusion of four Crushing Hammer. Everyone's favorite card in the format. Let's go. You got to right. love when we get to the point in the format where Crushing Hammer makes his way <laughs> back into decks. That's a great sign of a healthy format. Um, but no, I mean, this was a pretty good innovation on this deck. I think it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean... Item lock plus energy disruption is a combo that is like as old as item lock and energy disruption are in the game, it feels like. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and I think Cameron tweeted about it as well and it makes a lot of sense. Like the decks that, the, the things that are problems for Vikavolt are the Pokemon that it can't deal with super easily that manually slowly attach energy into play. Duraludon, Gudra, Zamazenta, So if you have hammer and can target that down, take it out, you do lose a little bit of consistency by dropping the trekking shoes, but he did find a space for the third energy search. And he said that the thing you're most often looking for anyway off trekking shoes is energy, it feels like. So adding the third energy search helped that, it seems like. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you think this is a pretty solid innovation on the deck as well?
1: Yeah, I think for... It's tough to say, because like I think that is kind of cool for... It helps the the decks that Vicovalt struggles against are the situations specifically. And we saw uh, Cameron did take down the Gudra on the winning in. Um, it It's it's cool to see decks be built that way. But in the current format, playing a card that's bad against Lugia, which I'm pretty sure Trek and Shoes, or Crushing Hammer, Trek and Shoes are definitely just better against Lugia than Trek and Shoes Um because you're trying to get the lock set up. Removing their energy in play doesn't really do anything when they have Archeops in play. And if they get Archeops in play, they're usually winning if you're not head on the price sheet already. But at that point, removing the energy doesn't do anything anyways. It's really tough to say how good the crushing hammers really are in a format like this. Unfortunately, it's a really cool innovation. I feel like, generally in Pokemon formats, as far as like evolving your deck to deal with the meta, um, but in this format, to be honest, I think I would I think the check and shoes are. I would say I think the Tracking shoes are probably better, but I have to test it out for sure and really feel without the check and shoes, how much does it feel like you're hurting your win percentage against Lugia? Because I think you definitely do hurt it by going with the crushing hammers over check and shoes.
0: Yeah, I mean it seems good to me or it seems okay to me for sure, but yeah, I agree. Like it doesn't seem good against Lugia, which is yeah. the, the and most playing important a card thing. that's not
1: good against Lugia, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or at least neutral. Like it's like this card is neutral against Lugia, this card's neutral against Lugia, but it helps me against Mew, which is helping me against like Arc and you pick between those two, then that's like one thing. But when it's like this card is worse against Lugia, this card's better against Lugia, it's hard to not go with the card that's better against Lugia, I feel like. And that's kind of just like a a, uh, a product of deck building because of the format um, unfortunately
0: well we can move on and
1: chat about a little bit of drama from the weekend a little bit
0: of a interesting situation a public situation that came up with calvin connor of course cal is a top 16 player in north america someone who's fighting for that day two spot into worlds is probably going to get it um And yeah, he got disqualified from the event. So I think it's important to just preface this discussion with, um, we are just kind of going to give, we're going to talk about it to the best of our ability, understanding that we don't know both sides of the story and we're not going to ever know both sides of the story, right? We're never going to hear from the judges their point of view because Pokemon and judges do not make statements on these things. So all we have to work on is from what Cal said, and, um, you know, people who also saw the situation play out. Um, but with that, yeah, we can get into what Cal tweet. So Cal tweeted, I think it was after round, um, what's one, two, three. So round 12 day two, uh, tweeted, um, I just got DQ'd for my sleeves that were not even mine. I got sleeves from tags the person blake ray before the event and ran with them the entire event this is ridiculous i've never had a sleeve issue in my life so i mean i think this is obviously like a heated tweet in the moment yeah just i will say it doesn't matter where you got your sleeves from (laughs) that has no impact on whether or not they were bad yeah if there was something wrong Um, And then he did follow up with pictures of his sleeves later on. So here are the sleeves. I do realize they are beat up bad and I should have switched sleeves after day one, but they are all random. Apparently the big issue was the quick balls, but not all of them. And he did post a picture. You can see the sleeves look like discolored, a little dirty, something like that um, on the sides. And then he showed the back of the two quick balls, which were apparently the card in question. I don't really notice anything on the two quick balls on the back, but honestly, this picture from the side, um, I mean, you can tell that there, there's, I don't know. Uh, Azul, do you have any thoughts before we kind of go in any further on this?
1: Yeah, it's hard to tell from images too. Like sleeves definitely look different. And like you can definitely, there could definitely be differences that we can't see from the images that Cal showed. Um, I don't think that Cal was doing anything malicious. Um, the excuse of "they're not my sleeves" is a bad excuse, obviously, like terrible excuse. Um, go get some new sleeves. This is why I personally re-sleeve before every day one to day two. Now I know not everyone's going to be able to do that. You know, sleeves are not free, and you don't necessarily um, have to do that. Yeah. It's at the just, very, Azul least... kind of has
0: the luxury to be able to do that, right? But
1: yeah, at the very least, you could deck check yourself, right? You you need extra sleeves. If you don't have extra sleeves and you only have exactly 60 sleeves and some of them are getting messed up one of them rips you know that's on you and you really you need to have at least extra sleeves right if you buy you know any sleeves out there on the market right now you're always going to end up with some amount of extra sleeves most packs of sleeves are sold in in 50s or hundreds so you're going to be able to you're going to end up with a hundred pretty much no matter what right so you have 40 extra sleeves you can check your own sleeves use
0: them use them yeah
1: check your own sleeves look for anything that stands out um even if it is just natural wear and tear, if anything glaring stands out, like I replace sleeves all the time throughout a tournament, like as I'm shuffling, um, they break or they feel weird. Or as I'm going to lay out prize cards or draw for turn, or just notice the top card of my deck, if the sleeve is just off, then I'll just replace it. Right. Um, and sometimes I'll do like every couple of rounds, I'll do like an actual check where I count out my deck and also like check the sleeve backs as I go through them. So, um, that definitely is on, uh, Calvin for sure. Like, uh, if you're not going to fully resleeve your deck, that's fine. It sounds like these sleeves uh, probably should have been fully resleeved. Though. It sounds like these ones were kind of done. Uh, so these ones sound like it should have been probably a full resleeve, But at the very least, you have to put... There is some um, some responsibility from the player to make sure that your sleeves are in decent condition. And it doesn't appear to be any kind of markings um, um, or anything's out of, like too far out of place as the player goes. Right? Um, Now, some things will happen naturally from wear and tear. And those are the things where it becomes like a little bit more, um, you know, unfortunate when, you know, you potentially do get a penalty or a DQ or something like that from the that that ends up being the judge's call when it is just kind of natural wear and tear. But, yeah, there definitely is like a standard that the players have to uphold themselves as well.
0: Yeah, so it's actually kind of interesting. So if we look at the penalty guidelines, I think the tough thing here. So. Such a great advantage could theoretically be gained by someone who wanted to do something malicious and cheat and mark a card or dog ear a sleeve, right? If anyone doesn't know what that is, if it's like bent on a corner, that was like a big, a famous scandal in Magic the Gathering. This like well-known player dog eared like a specific four of in his deck. So like he would always know if he was going to draw it because it was, the, the sleeve was kind of bent in the corner. Um... Yeah, I mean it's such a uh it's such a thing that someone could use to gain such a large advantage that like I can understand why the penalty is so harsh, but disqualify like if if you are someone who is doing nothing malicious at all, and it is purely an incident of my sleeves are just worn or have gotten worn over the course of the tournament, to just receive a DQ from that is so incredibly harsh. And even looking at the penalty guidelines for deck legality uh, under section 7.3.2.2 B2 of the Tournament Rules Handbook, section B, severe deck legality infractions result in an opportunity for a player to gain an advantage, usually through ambiguity or discrepancy caused by dissimilarity between the decklist and the physical deck, or by a pattern of marked cards. And then in the examples, one of the examples is the sleeves on the special energy cards and a player's deck are slightly longer than the rest. Um, and then this would also like, in, this is where like a damaged sleeve or a sleeve issue would come into play. And the recommended starting penalty for a severe deck legality issue is a game loss. That is the recommended starting penalty. And it just seems like it's become a trend at these higher tier events internationals and regionals that this is just being during day two automatically upgraded into a disqualification um now i think it's also worth noting um i don't know it's i think like you look at these sleeves that cal posted a picture of this is obviously not the entire deck just the picture he posted these sleeves are all discolored in different spots so it is Theoretically, I'm not saying Cal did this. I don't know necessarily if Cal would do this. I'm not saying any of that. But it is theoretically possible for someone to know exactly how each of these sleeves are marked and know which card is in each one because they are all different. So it is theoretically possible for someone to be looking at the side of their deck and know, okay, I'm going to top deck X card this turn, right? So in this instance, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say because I don't know all the details, right? um but I, I mean at a minimum i don't and i don't think cal would argue this at a minimum these sleeves did need to be replaced um these are yeah, not ter- acceptable tournament sleeves um but <laughs> i don't know i mean it, it, to me it just from what we see here it does not seem unreasonable that a severe um advantage could be gained by someone who is looking to do something malicious
1: yeah, possibly. Um, I think the big thing, I think one of the things maybe that they tie into their decision making is like how much time has the tournament gone on for, right? Like if you played zero rounds or one round versus 12 rounds, you've had a lot more time to potentially gain an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, it does say in the rules that like the the first thing would be a game loss. Um, I was going to say something to that as well. Sorry, I counter ranted. Um, And remember, you can always, well, the biggest thing is like, remember, you can always appeal to the head judge. uh, And I've had, I know someone who they've had this come up multiple times in the form of a warning for them, but they're always like, no, get the head judge over here and prove to me that these sleeves are marked. And every time they've like forced the judges, and you can do this. they've they've always had the warning retracted because the, the judges have never. So maybe someone in the deck check thing initially is like, oh, I think this is a pattern. I think this is off. um Okay, you're going to get a warning for this. You need to replace these sleeves. Um, and uh, the player I'm talking about is always like, nope, bring the head judge over here. Show me you can do it. They're never able to do it. And then they don't get the warning. They still have to resleeve those sleeves because they are like marked um, enough or a little bit. Um, we'll or even in that situation, damaged. maybe they don't have to. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know if they would have to in that situation. They're not damaged enough to like pick them out of the other cards. So maybe they still have them replace some of them, but they've, they've always had the warnings retracted. So you can do that. You can always appeal to the head judge. Uh, and then my friend, who's definitely stubborn about it, even when it's just a warning that they were going to receive, they're always like, nope, bring the head judge over here. Show me that you can pull these cards out of the situation. Because when they whenever they've looked at it, they've always been like, no, I can't. I can't do it. You can't do it. Get the head judge over here. Let's see if they can do it. And if you can't do it, then you can't get a, you can't get a warning for it. Right. Cause a warning can be a big deal. A warning can escalate into a game loss, into a, uh, a match loss, into a DQ, yep. into whatever. So, right. Even a warning can be a pretty big deal. So you don't want to have anything on your record in any tournament, ideally. So, um, yeah, always, if you think you're being, if you think, uh, if you think you're in the right in the situations, always appeal to the head judge and uh, you can even go as far as make them prove to you that they can actually, you know, consistently do that, um, as well. Um, one other thing I want to say, oh, I think in this situation, one thing I found funny, though, from a lot of responses from people uh, responding to Cal's thing was the amount of people who were just like, what? They didn't let you just re-sleeve the sleeves? Um, and we do want, like, you, there, is, there, there is potentially advantages to be gained from marked sleeves, right? Like, that's the first thing that I don't think some people understand, right? Um, so it is possible Cal marked their sleeves and then was taking advantage of that. Um so you do want the judges to be like, if the judges truly think someone is cheating, we want the judges to handle that appropriately, right? Um, so I think it's a little bit ridiculous when people are like, oh, you should just have them resleeve their sleeves every time. Now, in this situation, like I said, I don't think Cal was doing anything malicious. Is it possible that the sleeves were just so messed up that a, like, a DQ was just warranted? It's like, like, we don't know what kind of advantage you could be getting here. There's definitely something that could be done here. We have to DQ. Your sleeves are just too messed up. That's possible. Um, and I guess the thing from there would be if Calvin uh, gets banned, they definitely think Cal was cheating. If it's just a DQ, they're just like, we can't just let you play, continue to have played this many games with your sleeves being like this and continue to play with your sleeves being like this. That's just ridiculous for it to allow you to keep playing. We don't think you're cheating, but there's no way we can't DQ you here. It seems like the DQ, though, was probably too harsh, and it seems like maybe it probably should have just been a game loss um, at the most.
0: Yeah, Cal even admits in one of these replies here that... Um he shuffles pretty rough and so like i think that's maybe yeah. where some of the wear and stuff is coming from here. Now a lot of people were also in the replies talking about another instance that happened at this tournament in day number 1 um which was another sleeve related issue and kind of trying to compare the two. And once again, we got to say a little disclaimer, we don't know the the entire details of either of these two situations. We just know what players involved in the situation have posted on twitter so liam williams who's a well-known player from the pacific northwest pretty good player as well he got top eight at nationals back in like 2016 i think um yeah uh he tweeted my opponent did not have acceptable sleeves to begin the round and had to leave the table in the middle of talking to judges to buy sleeves from the vendor We received a 26-minute time extension (laughs) and held the tournament up because my opponent was not ready to play. And, yeah, I mean, we – the tournament did come to a halt for this game. This was the last game being played for a long time after the round ended. And Alex Schemansky, quote, tweeted and replied – and this is something you said as well. Yeah. It, it took 26 minutes to buy sleeves and re the deck. Did this person buy individual sleeves that they had to unpackage? And Liam kind of gave a little bit more context about the situation. Said slightly more because time was only extended from the actual round start time and not the pregame stuff. Slightly more because of judges pausing and time spent fetching head judge. I asked my opponent to replace one sleeve The rest were also very used slash dirty, but this one had a fingernail mark and he had zero extra sleeves. But he had a second deck with him with a different kind of, but also very old slash dirty. And his proposal proposal was to unsleeve that and use the sleeves. But in the middle of doing that, a judge told him those sleeves were no good either. So a lot of people were saying, I mean, they let this guy in day one, who had obviously messed up and unusable sleeves, they let him just go re-sleeve and pause the entire tournament for 26 minutes. Why did uh, Calvin not get to to just have that opportunity to resleeve? And I think part of it does have to do with what you were saying, right? Like of how long the tournament's been going on and how long yeah. Cal's been playing in the tournament, how long an advantage theoretically could have been gained.
1: Um, yeah. But I do think in this scenario, that's still like ridiculous. <laughs> they were given a twenty 20- like that person totally should have been given they should have totally been given <laughs> should have been given a game loss. Yeah. And then be like, okay, you have 10 minutes, 15 minutes, go get some sleeves, resleeve. You're gonna lose game one, come back, you know, pick to go first or second game. That was like way too much of an extension, way too much lenience to the player. It doesn't really matter how new they are or whatever, their sleeves, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's just that's like ridiculous. It's interesting though, uh, okay, because I had like a I mean to me. I had this happen at Baltimore. My opponent's sleeves weren't overly damaged. They just weren't Pokemon or blank sleeves. They were like magic or something. Um, And I didn't even notice. A judge walked past and noticed before we set up for our round. But yeah, my opponent was able to go buy sleeves, come back. And like we had like a five minute time extension by the time they were all done with it. Now we were setting up uh, before round one, I guess, which is also like an impact. But yeah. um, Yeah, if it's going to be something like, if it's going to be as long as it was for Liam's game, then it should just be a game loss, potentially a round loss, but probably just a game loss. Lose game one, go get some sleeves. And we'll get into game two. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, definitely seems like an unreasonable amount of time to give someone, even if they weren't doing anything malicious.
0: He also replied to his original tweet and said, My opponent received no penalty, by the way.
1: So it's, it's hard to give a-, a warning for, like, it would never, it would. So, yeah, it definitely wasn't a match loss or a game loss. But the only thing that would have happened would have been a warning, right? I would also
0: imagine maybe – so, like, people are comparing the two situations. But I think it's important to realize that these situations are being dealt with by different groups of people, right? So Cal's situation is being brought up by the deck check team and then being brought to the attention of the head judge, right? This situation is being dealt with by floor judges, and then being brought to, like, an assistant head judge, and then being brought to, potentially, the head judge, if it escalates to that point, right? So, it's different yeah. groups of people dealing with different situations, different points of the tournament. So, it's, like, I think a little unfair to compare the two, but
1: I totally yeah, I agree don't with think... Azul
0: that this is, like, it's unacceptable for the entire tournament to be held up for 26 minutes for a player to re-sleeve their deck. Unacceptable.
1: Yeah, I don't think these are really comparable, because, like, the 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 player like had there was no advantage for the player to ever have been gained probably like you could have argued maybe they could have gained they were attempting to gain an advantage in Liam's situation right they were attempting to gain an advantage by having marked sleeves um but there was no advantage for them to actually have been gained and like I said I think if if the uh, judges at uh Vancouver think calvin was actually cheating calvin will probably be banned but i don't think that's what happened Dude, here that's I think just that...
0: not true though that's just not true people have been DQ'd from tournaments in the last year for cheating for actually cheating for what the judges yeah. think was cheating and they have not been banned so I, th- it's just not true anymore okay I don't, I guess we don't true. fully
1: know poke up tpi standards with that then i guess I, that's what always been my assumption I, my assumption has always been if tpci actually thinks you're cheating then you get banned Um, But usually it's just like DQs and stuff happen because they can only let stuff happen. Like you can only let stuff go so far. It's usually been my understanding of stuff. It's like when DQs happen, game losses happen, uh, match losses happen. It's because like, well, we don't think you're cheating, but like, we can't not, it has to be a penalty. There has to be a punishment for being this sloppy or this unorganized or whatever it might be. Right. Yeah. Um, So I mean, the one thing I did want to like emphasize on the, on the Calvin thing is like, (laughs) because the amount of people who I saw saying it, like, the amount of people I saw saying, like, why didn't they just let you re-sleeve or change your sleeves is like kind of ridiculous. You're basically saying anyone should be able to mark their cards up until the point where a judge forces them to re-sleeve. So you can cheat up until that round, and then you're good to go. Once again, not saying Calvin was cheating, but it sounds like that's so many people sounded like they were just like okay with that. It's like, okay, mark your sleeves. But when the judges tell you to re-sleeve, after that point, no more cheating. You gotta be a good, you gotta be a good player after that. But up to that point, you're good to go. Mark your sleeves as much as you want, which is like it's like a, a such a bad take on the uh on the situation, which is what I saw uh, quite a bit of.
0: Um, and I do want to mention something as well, just as we're kind of wrapping this up, because like the sleeves and DQs and penalties and stuff for sleeves has been a, it's been an issue all season. And I think part of that, um, I mean, there's, there's a million factors in every single one of these instances, right? Like, I mean, Calvin even saying the way he shuffles is pretty rough. Like we probably went to these sleeves being damaged. Um, but a lot of top players and just a lot of Pokemon players in general use Dragon Shield sleeves. Azul and I both use Dragon Shield sleeves. We both work with Dragon Shield. They are our go-to sleeves even through any sort of quality issues that have been happening the last year. They have been our go-to sleeves because they are just still the best sleeves in the game. And Dragon Shield actually tweeted this weekend, our dragons found a malfunctioning bashi- uh, machine now fixed in our forge <laughs> that caused some quality <laughs> <The> issues. <machine. laughs> It, and it Where says it be, caused I mean, some quality issues to be less rare as in like a quality issue is rare. Now it, it caused them to be less rare. I love how they worded this. Like it's lore or like <laughs> it, it's like, re- it reads like video game patch notes or something like that. Um, only a minority of our sleeves were impacted, but if you got one of these packs, please reach out and we will help you. And they've got a link to full details. So, I mean, if you've gotten a pack of dragon shields, that has been messed up in the last few months or something yeah check this out see if there's something that can be done for you here but it seems like dragon shield i mean you don't really expect to see companies doing this necessarily but they um realized there was an issue and took steps to fix it and admitted it as well so that's good on them i think um they're still the best sleeves even with some quality issues this last year but it sounds like they're trying to get on top of that and make things back to the way it had been previously
1: yeah yeah really cool to see that uh from dragon shield for sure um I don't see a lot of companies kind of making up for their mistakes all the time. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, even though they've, yeah, some people have had some issues with some of the quality recently, still by far, I think the best, the best, the best sleeves in the game for sure, still. Um, But yeah, yeah, I think uh, that kind of covers everything we want to talk about that. Um, Yeah. Like, another thing, like, one of the things that I like left me a little like uh, bewildered about this whole thing with uh connor is like the amount of people who have come out recently and being like pokemon doesn't ban cheaters you need to ban cheaters and then or do something about people who cheat and then we see a player get dq'd for what you'd have to assume is like the the judges at the event assuming someone had an unfair advantage everyone's like oh my gosh i can't believe they would ever dq someone for this why didn't they just let you sleeves? the judges are you know off their rocker or whatever it's a lot of responses that i saw to the situation it's like well like i don't think cal cheated but like if we think if the judges think someone cheated, don't we want them to ban someone like, or DQ, DQ them in. or game yeah. losses or match losses? Like what is this? We're just you like, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. You people. can't have it. We, yeah, we can't not like the, and the The judges can make mistakes. Right. But everyone makes mistakes. And like, assuming that people don't make mistakes, you hope that like, it's not, they're not being a, they're not a bad person. They just made a, a, a bad judgment call. Right. And then hopefully that they just do better in the future. Um So like, if the the, yeah if the judges truly feel and like i said cal should uh, the proper steps to take because i even saw in the replies here that apparently this happened to uh someone's son in the junior division i think um you know take the proper steps to to make sure you're given a fair trial i guess (laughs) call over the head judge make them show you that they can consistently replicate what they think the problem is with your cards um And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it does at the end of the day, even if they don't think that you're cheating, they do. You can only mess up so many times or have something uh, or be sloppy enough with your gameplay or your your sleeves or whatever, to the point where they do have to give you game loss, match loss, even potentially a DQ, um, which it seems like is that got to that point with Connor with uh, with Calvin's sleeves here. But yeah, like I said, I don't think Calvin was uh, doing anything malicious. Um, And it really is really hard for me to tell from these pictures how much how I feel about are, are these sleeves out of place or not.
0: Yeah, it's always going to be hard to know everything unless you see the whole 60-card deck in person. Cal only posted a picture of a few sleeves. And it's also going to be hard to know unless we hear both sides of the story, which we're never going to know. So, Never going to (laughs) hear the other side. (laughs) Well, with that, we can move on to everyone's favorite segment of the podcast, Guess That Flavor Text, where each week either Azul or I will pick a card, read the flavor text, and have the other host try to guess which Pokemon we are talking about. There are three lifelines you can use, what set the card is from, what stage the card is, and read an attack name. If you don't use any lifelines, you get four points. You lose a point for each lifeline that you use. Azul is currently up one point, I do believe, after I spiked the right answer that was in the ambiguous. clutch last week. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've got a card picked out for Azul. Good sir, are you ready?
1: I am ready, Chip. Hit me with it. Oh,
0: All right. I'm not ready. Okay. I'm ready now.
1: It <laughs> analyzes
0: it analyzes its opponents with more accuracy than a supercomputer, which enables it to calmly back them into a corner.
1: Jeez. That's a tough one. I have no clue. First, it says it analyzes. I'm thinking of like some smart Pokemon, computer type Pokemon. I don't know. That doesn't really do too much, but I was thinking like, I went to Orbital initially, as far as like Smart Pokemon Go, um, and I don't think it's Blipbug or Orbital, but it could be Dotler. I'm kind of on the Dotler thought process here. Um, that's kind of all I've got right now, to be honest. I don't really have. Read it one more time, and yeah. then I think we're gonna go into some lifelines.
0: It analyzes its opponents with more accuracy than a supercomputer which enables it to calmly back them into a corner
1: calm calmly back them into a corner analyzing the situation man i'm so lost on this one let's go well i i think i'm gonna go to be honest the set is helping me out more than i ever thought it would so i'm gonna go with what set the card is from uh to begin with
0: one of your favorites vivid voltage
1: (laughs) so there is orbital v max in that set is there an orb though is that what orb beetle was introduced i feel like we maybe got the v max or v star was the v max no orbital v max was vivid voltage i can't think of any other smart pokemon
0: just so you know v maxes and v's and v stars do not have flavor text on them
1: no i know okay, okay. but i but there well there is like two orb stage sure. twos and one of them might have been I was Chip trying to throw me off the trail here. What kind of comment was that?
0: <laughs> I just <laughs> want to make sure you. I, I'm, I'm, trying that, you beca- I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to help you out because you think that Celio evolved from Seal. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there's also no dot. There's no Dotler in the the Orbital V to V Max evolution chain. <laughs> so it would have to be separate. So dollars. I, I can't think of any other Pokemon that would fit the criteria of like a smart Pokemon. Um, besides Beetle from Vivid Voltage. I can't think of a, a single other Pokemon. So I'm actually just going to try and lock this one in, get some extra points, and not use any of the other lifelines. I'm going to go with Dottler.
0: Unfortunately, Azul, Azul uh. that is incorrect. I think if you had used either of the other two lifelines, you would have gotten off of Dottler instantly. <laughs> well, hit me
1: with the lifelines then. Go yeah. lifelines.
0: Yep, and for the people playing at home as well. And we'll see if Azul can get one more guess in. It's attacks. Uh, one of the attacks is Leg Quake. And it is a stage two Pokemon.
1: Leg Quake, that is also a stage two Pokemon that is super smarter than a supercomputer? Or what was the flavor text again? It analyzes
0: its opponents with more accuracy than a supercomputer, which enables it to calmly back them into a corner.
1: Leg Quake? I have no clue. What is it?
0: It is Metagross.
1: Oh, oh. <laughs> I didn't know Metagross was like smart bro his legs be quaking yeah metagross is a <laughs> that makes metal
0: sense or it's a steel psychic type in the games mm.
1: is there a orbital in the set is there a statue orbital
0: no there's not there's uh. one in sword and shield base set and one in like chilling rain i think Interesting. i'm gonna oh. look up
1: but yeah ahead. good
0: try but you're wrong <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry there's one in sword and shield base set there's one in Battle styles, and there's one in Lost Origin. So Orbeetle got some love.
1: I don't know. I was kind of locked in on the dollar to Yo, be Yo, this like. part is like...
0: crazy. I have never looked at this artwork for some reason. What is it like? It's like little... Orbeetle's like abducting Bugsy here. I think it's go So,
1: what is it going into the Orbeetle's stomach? What is Orbeetle? Is Orbeetle just a little Pokemon in front and the rest of it is like a ship or something? The rest of it is its brain. Oh, so you're getting sucked into the Orbital's brain?
0: Yeah, but I think it's like supposed to be like a play on a UFO, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. I don't know
0: that it's necessarily getting like maybe, maybe like canonically, it's not actually getting sucked in. It's just getting picked up, you know?
1: Or oh, taking them somewhere else?
0: Yeah, yeah. Just tr- it's transportation method, right? <laughs> Instead of having to get the HM for fly. I don't know. Pokemon can get, get sucked pretty dark up by an
1: Orbital. Pokemon can get pretty dark if you like read some of the. Dude,
0: I have these Pokemon like color um it's like learning colors and numbers and shapes books that pokemon sent me for samuel um and on the front page of the pokemon color book uh, is a drift loon and you know the lore of Driftloon. this is a children's yeah. book drift yeah. like floats in and steals children away what are they trying to do man they're <laughs> <laughs> they're taking my kid away what the heck <laughs>
1: All right, it's kind well, of funny. I wonder if that's a, is uh, that on purpose or like maybe they didn't know. The I don't know. made the book, maybe not in the same department. I'm
0: we'll gonna tweet that, it's gonna be a banger tweet. Just wait, that's a good tweet, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we can move on from Guess the Flavor Text. Better luck in two weeks, Azul. I'm getting ahead next week. We'll see and, you about that. Um, yeah, we can move on to Utrecht special event this weekend in the Netherlands, right? I'm not saying that wrong, it is in the Netherlands. Yes, it's in the Netherlands. wanted uh, to double no check. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We can probably wrap this up pretty quick. We've done so many meta yeah. discussions for this format. Is there any reason to expect anything different this weekend?
1: I don't think so. Like, usually some, one of the things you can kind of uh, draw to a little bit is, like, this region hasn't had a tournament in a little while, but it hasn't been that long since the last European tournament. So, like, you know, Week. maybe there's some some stuff cooking um but i don't think there's anything to cook um i'm not even confident that sander's gonna have anything special anymore to be honest like i mean the last deck that sander played was cool i mean none of them made. i think there was had Orbital in it there was a couple of them i think there's a couple people who played it as well none of them made day two like yeah i'm not i'm not confident there's any any ingredients left in this format to actually cook anything up so i don't think so
0: um any deck that you would not play this weekend for this tournament if you were going to utrecht
1: What's what just are you think,
0: what are you definitely not playing for the tournament?
1: I think any deck that I think even has like a slightly unfavorable matchup to Lugia, it's just not worth playing. So I think that falls that goes with um, Gudra. Uh, even to be honest, I, the more I've played the Reggie matchup against Lugia, I think it's unfavorable against Lugia. So I like Gudra Reggie. Um... I mean, Mew and Lostbox, I think, are fine against Lugia. But yeah, those two for sure. I I, Anything that you think is even slightly unfavored against Lugia, I just wouldn't even touch.
0: I think I would not play Lugia, personally.
1: I wouldn't play that either, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, especially after y'all's performance this weekend. Like, I mean, not to say, like, I mean, Grant and Caleb made day two. You obviously didn't do the best. But it just, like, I think, like, that shows. I mean, another example as well, Reagan Retzloff obviously really good player he made got second place to you at ocic and then turned around the next weekend in knoxville and missed day two right playing the same deck yeah. i i mean i think that's indicative that i mean if it's day the, two as
1: well at this one i think as well right made yeah yeah did.
0: i think he lost his winning end at this one yeah. so like um it, it's just like the, the ups and downs of the deck you're just so not in control of your mirror matches um against like, feels like the better players like against yeah. like a a Like, there's definitely still a skill gap in the game, right? And, like, there's still going to be opportunities that you can skill-diff your opponent, but it's going to come up less often, I feel like, with the Lugia. Or, or like, maybe the skill margin gets a lot narrower with the Lugia mirror. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's a reason for someone to choose to play Lugia. If they feel like they're good enough to... You say (laughs) no? If they feel like they're good... I mean, it's obviously the best deck. If they feel like they're good enough and, like, the difference for them could just be needing to, like, have a little bit of that run good. Maybe you just roll up with the best deck and hope that the run good goes your
1: way. It's kind of funny, though, because like um, she said that about like the Lugia mirror. And it's always so different if you actually play a deck at a major tournament compared to not playing at a major tournament. Like I can't really explain but like playing a bunch of Lugia online doesn't equal the same experience as actually playing the Lugia IRL at a major tournament. Uh, And so much of Lugia's matchups feel exactly like the mirror match. Your Mew matchup feels like you're playing a mirror match. Your Arctura matchup feels like you're playing a mirror match um you're yeah like all those matches feel like you're just playing a mirror match like it feels like there's like two interactions that happen and if they go your way you win if they go your opponent's way they win and that's it that's the whole game the same the mirror feels the exact same way um so yeah it feels like it's not just the mirror it's like 50 percent plus of the meta is effectively mirror matches so yeah it just feels really bad it is the best deck though so can't go wrong with it i guess at the end of the day if you truly can't pick something Going with Lugia wouldn't be the worst thing ever, but I wouldn't recommend that or anything that even has a slightly disadvantage Lugia. But I think if you're able to like crack any of these decks, like the Gudra or something like that, and actually give yourself a slight advantage to Lugia, then I think all those, all those decks become really good plays. But I haven't seen it yet. I don't think it's possible.
0: So is there any reason for one of these players who's like just been playing Lugia this whole format? Is there like any reason for them to switch now as the format's coming to an end? I mean, even people like, you know, toward Reclev or Raz or Brian DeVry's like, is there any reason for any of them to switch off or just even someone else who like maybe is just playing it, but to like less results than those three?
1: I don't, I don't know. It's, like, maybe if they've had some kind of revelation and been like, well, I don't want to do this again. <laughs> but I think they're all just going to do it again. Um, yeah,
0: probably. Especially when
1: you look at results of, like, someone like Raz. Like, Raz has got, like, two top eights. Um, one of them was at OCIC. Like, why would Raz ever change, you know, decks? I don't think Raz is going to change, you know what I'm saying? Like, if anything Raz also more... has, like,
0: a pretty much guaranteed day two world spot already, because he's the... Yeah. The Middle East slash Africa time zone. or a rating zone. And, um... <laughs> he has like 600 points or something like that. And the person in second place has 50 points.
1: Oh, <laughs> I didn't even know. Oh yeah. That is a thing now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's from yeah I don't I, I think if anything, just more players are going to end up on more like players, like good players are going to get on the, the Lugia train. I don't think anyone's, I feel, I mean, I'm not getting back on it. I don't think anyone's getting off it though. You know, I don't think anyone's getting off it. Uh, I'd be surprised if players did. Unless they found something really cool and really new, would that be cool to see? But that's not going to be like a big shift in the meta or anything like that, right? So
0: is Lost Box on the decline? It didn't do the best at either of the two tournaments this weekend, especially in Vancouver. Just one in the top 16, right? Um, It did have the top eight, of course, in Natal. I don't know. I mean, it feels like... I mean, you obviously won OCIC with it and it did really good earlier in the format, like pre Crown Zenith. Since then, though, and since OCIC, really since OCIC, because you got you won and Pedro got top eight. Um, I guess, I mean, it did win Perth. I don't know. It, it, maybe yeah. it's just these two tournaments. It just felt off. Um, is there a reason it for it to, a... to keep feeling off? Or do you think like we can still see it? Like it's still totally a, a deck that can win the tournament.
1: I think it'll have better placement. Oh, well, I don't know if at Utrecht it'll have better placements. Because um, I feel like there's not as many Lost Box believers in Europe. <laughs> so, But I think maybe going into Charlotte Regionals the week after, we'll see just better overall performance from Lost Box. Um, I think its overall meta percentage will decline, though. Because we're at like 20%, was it at OCIC or Knoxville or something? And it's been going down since. It was like 2018, now it's yeah. 17. Yeah. Um, And the conversion rate has been abysmal <laughs> from day one to day two um so i think it's i think we're gonna see it come down it probably it might not even be the second most played deck at uh utrecht or charlotte coming up after that and to close out the rest of the season Mew might kind of take over that spot again or who knows maybe let's give lugia like a second uh second spate space on the the meta share there'll be so much of it it'll be like 30 Lugia and 15 Lugia. <laughs> i could see lugia getting up to like 40 eventually as we close out these last couple of events in this format
0: how do we feel about Mew for this tournament and really just where we're at in the format right now? I actually feel like kind of okay about it personally. Like if lost Box is on a little bit of a decline, maybe it's not, maybe it is. Um, but it is like, you know, it's a deck that can stand up to Lugia. It can go 50, 50 versus it. Um, or, you know, I mean, some players like Andrew Mahone says Mew is 90, 10 versus Lugia. I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> yeah, that seems a little far fetched. um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, how do you feel about Mew? I mean, it, it hasn't had the results. It's gotten a couple top eights yep. here and there, but like it's definitely fallen far from grace from where it was pre Silver Tempest.
1: That's weird because it had like those couple tournaments where it kind of won. Right. Or it got second at San Diego and then it won Liverpool. Right. So it's been yeah, a little yeah, quiet yeah. since then um and then like even like,
0: outside of those two tournaments for the rest of this like, format no remember we looked at it last week yeah yeah like, yeah uh, it's like, it's like such eights. a very few top eights for this entire format
1: but it's hard, i mean and it is it has always been kind of at that 12 percent meta share what was it at uh vancouver do you know was it still at the 12? Um, I, think it was, yeah,
0: 12. I think it was like 13-ish, something like okay. that. Yeah,
1: like, so still around that 12% we really should have meta pulled share. up
0: the, the, the chart it feels if we like, could
1: have. It feels like it probably should have a couple more top 8s in there, like just for its meta share, like its consistent meta share. But I guess you could argue that for Lostbox as well. Lostbox is making up 20% of the meta. I mean, his conversion rate for Lostbox is just so abysmal though, going into day two, whereas like Lugia, like Lostbox gets halved going into day two, whereas like Lugia gains like 5% going into going into day two. So I don't know. Um. Yeah, maybe, it's, maybe Lugia's muse is just kind of about where it, belongs as far as how many how many top eights it has for how much of a, a play rate it has. So yeah it was twelve. Is it Vancouver?
0: Yeah twelve point four in yeah. in day one. Uh yeah so sixteen for
1: Lost Box. Okay. So yeah, I think Lost Box will stay on the decline. I, I think Mew might overtake Lost Box. Um and Reggie's at nine percent. Sheesh.
0: Yeah Reggie's was really high in Vancouver. Like kind of surprisingly high. Um but going pretty... into day two it was a little different. shout out to Trainer
1: yeah. Bill for screen capping and tweeting these. The lost box took a hit yeah wow we have 50 though right yeah about, like halves you a little bit of steam lugia a little bit of steam reggie's a little bit of steam yeah like all the top decks will get like a little bit higher meta share going today too uh of course but yeah i think i think it's still solid like me so solid like i said 50 50. the thing is like it's your other matchups that kind of suck right like the lost box matchups in general are poor for um uh, mew so your lost box matchup is tough like the vika vault deck is like an auto loss basically like that matchup's mm-hmm. tough like it's all the fringe stuff that kind of comes after you. Your Reggie matchup is tough. Like all that stuff is like so annoying. So it's like, okay, you're 50-50 against Lugia, and then everything else is like a struggle, right? Sure, sure. Um, I think it's where like that's why that's like why Mew is like a tough, a tough deck to want to play. Because it's like, why not just play Lugia at that point then? Because then you're like 50-50 against Lugia,
0: and, and then beat
1: everything else. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> then beat everything else. I guess maybe Mew has a really good Arc Dura matchup. It's got that going for that's it. That's true, right?
0: yeah. Where whereas Lugia's is like maybe
1: questionable sometimes right maybe slightly unfavored overall but it's pretty close to 50 50.
0: yeah agree so yeah and speaking of dur we've got arthur and goo right next to each other in the meta share um neck and neck we saw both of them doing well <laughs> this weekend at both tournaments mm-hmm. why what, what would compel someone to play one over the other like if you're someone who's playing gudra why should you switch to dur or if you're someone who's playing Dur, why should you switch to gudra whichever one you think is better
1: uh, I think you probably just go with Arc because uh, you have a better Lugia matchup. And I think yeah. lost boxes when metashare will go down um, which is bad for Guja because like that's kind of the matchup that I feel like Guja kind of leaned on a lot was like your pretty favorite against most lost box builds, if not all of them, even the Ray build, even though they can want to ko you. It's a ton of resources to get two prize cards from the Ray and lost so... box
0: going down is honestly also good for Durr because, like for a while, Dur had a very good. Lost box matchup, but then people found the Dragonite technology. People started playing Drapion, which is like a decent attacker in the matchup. Sky Seal Stone, you know, Zamazenta like all these things add up and make it a lot closer of a matchup. And Lost Box wins a bit more if Lost Box is on the way down. Well, I feel like okay,
1: well, you got to play something instead of Lost Box, which I think Mew is going to gain some popularity, which would be worse for Dur mm, than <laughs> but I'd true. rather have an unfavorable against Mew than an unfavorable against Lugia. I feel like. Um, whereas, like, I think Goo's like probably pretty close to 50 50 against Mew. Durr is unfavored, but then Goo's like slightly unfavored against Lugia. So I think I'd re- still pick Durr over the Goo, uh, overall. But to be honest, it's kind of a tough call, uh, in the end. Like, um, and I think, but I do think Lugia's percentage is going up. So that kind of would be the biggest, the biggest draw to me for the Goo Gu- for the Arctur over the Guja.
0: So Reggie's had a really big meta share we just looked at in day one. It was 9% day one in Vancouver, 10%. 11% day two, really high. Um, didn't do the best. No top eights. Um, I think there was some of the top 16 though. Yeah. I don't know. Um, the Regis also, did you see the, the list that, uh, Sam Huff then them played?
1: Yeah. Um, turbo
0: with, with the Drapion and the Thornton and all kinds of crazy stuff. And it was turbo Reggie. Um, I don't know if you think anything's there, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Generally Reggie's still, I, I think Reggie seems fine. And, um, but you said you seem to be less confident in the Lugia matchup, which would steer you off of it. I feel like.
1: Yeah, I yeah the Turbo list is interesting. I would have to play with it to see how I really feel about it. Uh, the build like if that's if that's better than the current build, then maybe. But I feel like with the current build, you're unfavored against Lugia. Like every time, uh, me and my group go back to test, it's not unwinnable. You can win some games as Reggie, obviously, but every time we go back to test it, Lugia always just like is always one turn ahead, like sixty percent of the time. So yeah, I've become less of a fan of Reggie as of late the more time i've tested the matchup um and yeah i don't think i would because of that i just don't see a reason to play reggie's like i just um i think it's like okay still and if i guess for some reason if people ever start cutting dunce again the matchup gets good again so yeah um but yeah i was i think yeah i think it's okay still if it's like your go-to deck right now like the matchup's not terrible i might be over um Maybe it's closer to like 55 45 for Lugia. I definitely think it is Lugia favored though. So it makes me tough. It makes it tough to want to play because Reggie's definitely a deck that I would like to go back and play, but just have never done it. Because every time me and the crew are like, okay, let's, well, what about Reggie's? Well, let's play some more games against Lugia. Well, it still feels unfavorable. Okay, no more Reggie's. <laughs> and then- <laughs> we repeated that for a couple of events.
0: And last one to talk about is the Vico Volt. Um, how do we feel about it moving forward should should people copy cameron's list just roll up with the crushing hammers does that fix all the matchups problems i definitely think we'll see more people with the crushing hammers than we would have previously since it's kind of a known quantity that's just how these things work naturally um i don't know do you expect to see it do well i guess is the question will we see a a, a vika hammers and top cut
1: I think that I don't like uh, on the surface or just looking at it. I don't like the hammers. We definitely need to test it with the hand with, with the hammers and see how much it feels like it hurts the Lugia matchup. Cause I think it would definitely give you a worse Lugia matchup. You're just going through your deck a little bit less aggressively with the lack of and shoes. Um, but I think it's still pretty decently positioned, right? Like especially if lost boxes percentage is going down. I feel like that helps Vico vault because the lost box bills that were being played were coming better and better against Vico vault, right? So you had like the Zamazenta, which is really annoying. Cause it's like, you're only doing 30 damage um and then even Raikou is re- like once Raikou starts attacking uh you in the vika vault matchup when the Raikou starts hitting you like that's really tough to deal with so i think um i think it's still a pretty good play and i and i think with lost box probably losing some popularity that'll be pretty good And also it's one of those things where it's like if you just make it to day two as vika vault you're just way less likely to run into lost box than you are the lukias and the Mew. so in day one you can take an l even two still make it to day two and then from there you get to play the matchups you want to play more consistently right like that's one lost box only becomes like a 6% deck maybe from here moving forward or even less. Right. So yeah, I think it's still pretty good. Like you can take those L's in day one to the lost box decks. If you play up against them, because it almost does feel like it's becoming a less favorable matchup when people have like three Raihans, double Raikou, Zamazenta's like that stuff is like really tough for the Vika to deal with, to be honest. Like, um, so I think Vika is still pretty solid. It does feel like you are slightly favored against Lugia uh, and you're definitely favored against Mew. So you beat two of the top three, uh, and then as well, if you play up against some, it depends on the build of Lost Box you run up against as well. And it's not like a terrible matchup. Maybe I'm kind of overemphasizing, but it doesn't hasn't felt great for Vika as of late with the way the lists of uh, Lost Box have been going. i been feeling unfavored, to be honest.
0: All right. Well, let's do just a couple predictions that we can get out of here. We only have a couple predictions written down for now. First off, I mean, the over-under for Lugia in-cut. <laughs> we, we're going to put it at 4.5 after seeing six Lugia in-cut. So 4.5 over-under is a little, what do you think?
1: I want to say under, but I think I'm going to go over again here. Over 4.5 in cut at Truck. Well, it is a smaller event. Does that change anything, though? I don't know if that changes it. I'm going to go over. I
0: don't know how much smaller it is, to be honest. I think it's still going to be, like, over 6. But... It, can we, like,
1: look at the numbers?
0: Mm, I, don't, I think you can only see them if you're registered for the tournament.
1: But... I wish I would show them if you weren't registered. That'd be nice. So you could just, like, see. Go um, register real fast just to... <laughs> I'm sure it is capped. <laughs> No, oh, it says I can register. Oh, yeah. Azul quick flight. <laughs> <laughs> no shot. was the um, regional, I would consider it, but for a special event, no.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say under just really for the sake of being picking something <laughs> different. I, I'm probably gonna anticipate at this point that it'll be over. Um, but you know, we could just see it before. And uh, yeah, next up, pick a non Lugia deck to make cut.
1: I will go with, I don't know. There's so many let's choices. Go, let's go Palkia and Teleon. Took a, took a weekend That's off, a crazy pick. Back. That wild? Everyone does kind of have switch cards now. Hang on, let me let me change No, that. no, Everyone no, you've
0: locked card. it in. You've locked it All in. All right,
1: Palkia and teleon. No, what I'm do you got you? you can
0: change it if you want. You can
1: change it if you want. It's, what would you even change it to? No, nah, I'm going to go with Mew. Mew's making that bounce back. We're going to see one of them in top eight. Yeah, I think Mew will, 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 will get there again.
0: Reasonable choice. I'm gonna go with the um I'm gonna go with the Lost Box, I guess. Just the second most popular deck. I don't know. Um it does feel like Lost Box is on the decline, but someone's got something cooking. I've got faith. I've got faith for sure.
1: <laughs> I, mean, I don't think you need a cook. I think like a lot of the lost box builds out there are just, someone, just right? someone good
0: just needs to play it, right?
1: Yeah, can you just the Pedro, can you show up to the event, please? <laughs>
0: like... All right, and then lastly we we actually Came up with this minutes before we started recording the podcast for our last prediction. We're going to do a new little segment. Can we call it a segment, I guess?
1: We're going to do this before every tournament?
0: Before a major tournament, we're going to do what we call a pizza pick. A pizza pick because Azul and I are each going to pick a player that we believe is going to the tournament. And whoever's player finishes better, the other host has to buy the other host a pizza. So if Azul <laughs> picks someone and they win the event and they do better than my person if they get second place or any other placement, Azul uh I have to order him a pizza same way other way around. If Azul's player gets 18th place and mine gets 22nd place, I have to order a pizza so on and so forth. Pizza pick Azul. And also what we wanted to do you mentioned this as well is like yeah. um do a veto each one of first. us, each one of us gets a veto, gets to ban a player, gets to say you cannot pick this player to be your horse for this event,
1: or no one can get to pick the player. Yeah, no take one. Him no out one out gets of the, yeah, pick. yeah, take him out. This out one's going to be a this one's going to be a little bit tough. It is the special event. I don't know how many people are registered, but generally special events, less players go to, um, a little bit less on the line. You know, not five k for first or anything like that. So it might be a little bit smaller event. There might not be as many of the top players there. Uh, Am I starting with this? Am I going to veto first or you want to veto first?
0: Why don't you go ahead and veto first?
1: All right. I'm going to veto. I'll veto Tord. I think it's a safe, safe veto. Take Tord off the board. This will make us both have to like think a little bit harder. I think I I would imagine Tord's going to go, but maybe not. I mean, this this is is kind of the thing with special events is like when players are in comfortable spots for the top 16 race you generally see less of the top players show up to the special events because it's not as big of a deal to secure that. And there's not as much on the line as far as prizing goes. Right? So it's not like, well, I could show up and win 5k. It's like I could show up and win and get like three booster boxes or whatever you get for winning a special event. I don't even know uh, who are you going to veto. I uh, just
0: because you mentioned him by name and I feel like that's where your brain was going. I'm going to veto Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. <laughs> so I don't so know that if that's I, who you were wanting to pick or <laughs> I was not going to pick Pedro. Oh, are you picking um, Stefan on then? <laughs> I was thinking about picking Stefan. I'm actually gonna go with, and I hope they're going to the event. That's what I was talking about. I'm gonna go with Brian DeVries, okay. um, because Brian, I feel like, is just like do a top eight. Brian is not top eight in a little while. It's about time and uh, pretty safe because I think Brian's gonna be playing Lugia again if they do show up to the tournament. That's kind of the thing with these special events. You don't know as much about for sure if the players are gonna show up or not. I did. Try- I tried to do a little digging on Twitter. Couldn't find too much on enough players though. So I'm gonna go with Brian. Hopefully they show up. And uh, win me a
0: pizza. <laughs> I'm actually not sure if Stefan is going or not. Um. So, uh, and I actually think I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick Owen Camerman, who's having a pretty dang good season. So yeah, I think uh I think there's room for the Sun Run to continue. Um. So I'm gonna go with Sun Run. What is that?
1: What is Sun Run?
0: You're running like you're you're running hot, you know?
1: You've never <laughs> oh, heard I, that term. I've never the sun heard run. That term. <laughs> I've never heard that term. It's a before. thing. It's a thing, I promise. Okay, I so, mean, I believe you. I've just never heard it. So it's one of those if, things where it's like if I heard it, it was like, yeah, I definitely don't remember. If
0: it. Owen places higher than Brian, Azul owes me a pizza. If Brian places higher than Owen, um, I owe Azul a pizza if azul wins i'm getting him a little Caesars. so suck
1: it (laughs) maybe a neither player will show up to the event and then uh, it won't matter this time around and then we just share a pizza in charlotte (laughs) yeah (laughs) we'll definitely be doing this going forward though because i think it's a cool little thing for us to do those are our pizza
0: picks this week let us know who you think is going to do the best
1: who's going to win
0: um who's going to win the utrecht special event i almost said regional championships but it is a special event special event Um, and that is going to do it for our episode this week. Thanks so much to everyone for listening and thanks for the support. As always, if you did enjoy the podcast, we ask you, please leave us a review. It's a super quick and easy way to show your support. Let us know that you are enjoying listening to the cast. Also, if you're watching over on YouTube, be sure to subscribe. We get more viewers. Every video, then we have subscribers on the channel. So that just doesn't make sense. (laughs) Click the subscribe button. Come on now. Leave a like, interact, drop a comment. All those things help us in the algorithm. Um, And if you want to stay up to date with us and the podcast, the best place to do that is over on Twitter. You can follow myself at Chip Ritchie, R-I-C-H-E-Y. You can follow Azul at Azul underscore G-G. And you can follow the podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy.
1: Appreciate it as always. Good luck to everyone going to Utrecht, especially you, Brian, and uh, catch (laughs) y'all tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Catch y'all next Tuesday back on the normal schedule. This one did get uploaded a little bit late because uh, we're a little bit late getting back from Vancouver. We'll we'll be back on midnight. (laughs) Yeah, We'll be back on normal schedule next Tuesday at 7 a.m. Eastern. See ya.